Welcome to The Socialist Program. This is the audio of our monthly seminar. Subscribe and support this programming at patreon.com slash the socialist program to join live once a month and ask Brian Becker your questions and listen to them as soon as they come out. Thanks so much for your help in keeping this independent show going. We can make this program with you, but not without you. Thank you so much for joining. Well, there's a lot to talk about. Where do you want to start off this time? Well, first of all, John, I want to thank everyone, all the patrons who, through their efforts, through their sacrifice, through their contribution, make this show possible. And it's great to have so many people on this call. And of course, for everyone who listens to the show, relies on the show, but isn't yet a subscriber, please do your part and become a subscriber. We can't do the show, as we say over and over again, without people actually subscribing. We can't do it simply with our own labor, which is a labor of love. We need resources because there are expenses associated, considerable expenses with doing a podcast like this. So let's get started. John, I want to talk. I want to start by going back to that infamous moment where the Canadian Parliament gives a standing ovation to a Ukrainian who was brought to Canada after World War II who fought with the Waffen-SS, a genocidal unit that killed hundreds of thousands of people in like a day or two in some cases, or 30,000, 40,000 people in a day or two in Ukraine, targeting communists, targeting Jews, targeting Poles. You know, the Waffen-SS, the SS itself, obviously an institution that can be branded and was branded at the Nuremberg Trials as a criminal outfit. This guy is honored and given a standing ovation when the Speaker of the Parliament announces him and Zelensky's there and Zelensky gives him the thumbs up. I think you actually have the video clip, right? Yeah, I do have the video clip. It's really incredible. So I'm going to play it really quick. It's the Speaker of the House of Commons, Rota. And this happened on Friday, September 22nd. So here we go. Have here in the chamber today Ukrainian Canadians, Ukrainian Canadian world veteran from the Second World War who fought the Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today, even at his age of 98. He's a Ukrainian hero a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service. Thank you. Yeah, so here we have it that the Canadian Parliament is giving a standing ovation to a man who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians. Now, of course, anyone who knows anything, and you would think the parliamentary speaker in Canada would know this, and certainly afterwards said they didn't know or they took responsibility for it, that those Ukrainians who were fighting against the Russians at that time were fascists. They were the the nationalist slash fascist forces that the Zelensky government now idolizes. Monuments are going up to Stefan Bandera, the leader of this organization that collaborated with the Nazis, the Ukrainian version of it. People know that the United States and Canada 
and the Soviet Union were fighting together during this time period. It was part of the anti-Nazi, anti-fascist alliance. 400,000 Americans died. I don't know how many Canadians died, but 27 million Soviet citizens died. It was the Soviet Union that took on these fascist forces. The United States and Britain only opened up the Western Front, the landing of Normandy and the Battle of the Bulge in 1944. So from 1941, 42, 43, all the way up until the Western Front was opened in 1944, the Soviet Union conducted most of the military operations against the Nazis. In fact, 80% of all German divisions were fighting in Ukraine and in Russia against the people of the Soviet Union at that time. And as a consequence, that's why 27 million Soviets died, because they were basically fighting alone. If Britain and, and the United States had opened up the Western Front earlier, say in 1942 or 43, the Germans would have had to divide their forces. Instead, 80% of the German divisions could be poured into what was their Eastern Front. And, you know, the idea that the Speaker of the House and the entire Canadian Parliament could give this man a standing ovation shows first and foremost, they weren't probably really thinking, oh, I'm clapping for a Nazi. But it doesn't actually matter because as long as you're fighting against the Russians, even if it was during World War II, when the Russians were actually an ally of the United States and Canada against fascism, the DNA of hostility and animus to Russia is so baked into Canadian politics and U.S. politics and Canadian Canada basically is functioning as a junior partner to the United States. And as a consequence, all you need to know if you're a, a Canadian politician or an American politician is, are you anti-Russian? Did you fight the Russians? And it doesn't even matter to them to think about, well, what does it mean to fight the Russians? It, it's like this perennial struggle between good and evil. The Russians are always evil, even though the United States and Canada fought with the Russians against the Nazis during World War II. And if anything, this is an indication of the extreme, extreme hostility and animus that's generated by the media and generated by the government, but the media functions as its principal echo chamber against Russia. That's why this could happen. I mean, I think the Speaker of the Parliament had to give up their seat, but so what? I mean, where's the real major? They say, well, we're it's unfortunate. We didn't know. I take responsibility. But isn't it time to educate the Canadian public and the U.S. public about the fact that the Zelensky government, the Ukrainian government, is honoring and supporting the same political forces who have those forces who committed this genocide in Ukraine in World War II as their heroes. So yeah, it's a remarkable demonstration of, of the impact of pro-war propaganda against Russia. But there's another element of this story that I think is really crucial, which is that at the end of World War II, the United States and Canada, but principally the United States, because it's US policy, U.S. foreign policy that drives Canadian policy. Canada functions really basically as, you know, a little tiny junior partner to the United States. The United States commissioned as the head of NATO, 
the Nazi general staff who was the acting chief of staff for the German army in 1944, under the direction of Adolf Hitler, he became the commanding general of NATO. So NATO, within 10 years, Germany is admitted into NATO 10 years after the end of World War II, nine years after Nuremberg. And while some of the Nazis were put on trial and a few were executed, most of the Nazi establishment was incorporated into Western, that is US-led military institutions. So the head of NATO becomes a former Nazi chief of staff. The NASA space program led by Werner von Braun, you know, who took us to the moon. Von Braun was Hitler's top military scientist. The head of the EU, the president of the EU within a few years was a former Nazi. Thousands of West German judges after the creation of the two Germanys following World War II, they were Nazi judges. Operation Paperclip, which was a program conducted by the Pentagon, brought more than a thousand top Nazi scientists to the United States. They not only staffed NASA, they also staffed big parts of the U.S. military industrial complex. And I saw some interviews with some of them. And this one guy in particular, who whose name I'm not remembering at the moment, he becomes the vice chairman of Gulf Oil. When he's asked, well, how does it feel to be fighting now with your former enemy, fighting with the United States? And he says, well, our, our former enemies were really always the same. They were always the Soviet Union. And I was like, yeah, this guy is actually telling the truth. The United States was compelled for military exigencies to form a bloc with the Soviet Union when it looked like Nazi Germany was about to take over all of Europe and big parts of Asia. The United States wanted those areas for themselves. So they stood with the Soviet Union until the moment when Germany and Japan were defeated and then immediately started the Cold War against the Soviet Union and recruited many of the top officials of the Hitler regime into the US military complex of institutions, including both the Pentagon and NASA. So, you know, in one way, it's shocking what happened in the Canadian parliament, but in another way, not that shocking if you think the United States already made peace with all of these Nazis, but the problem is they're supposed to dress them up first. They give them a little bit of cover and this sort of accidental invitation, not accidental, but this invitation was accidental in the sense that no cover was provided. And the speaker in the parliament was dumb enough, apparently, that they could say they were fighting for Ukrainian independence against the Russians when that would be easily checked and everyone would know, well, at that time in World War II, that man is fighting with the Nazis in a genocidal campaign against the Ukrainian people who are for the Soviet Union, against the Jewish population, who they completely, the real beginning of the Jewish Holocaust in a way starts then in, in Ukraine. Anyway, that's the deal. I wanna say one more thing before I open it up for questions, John, and that is that there's a brewing struggle right now in Europe 
between the United States and NATO and Serbia. That's all for this preview. If you'd like access to the rest of this seminar and our entire archive of exclusive seminars with Brian Becker, become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We are an independent show and we cannot make this programming without you. Thanks so much for your support.